I will read the whole passage. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We pray. Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds. I pray that your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, would teach us. As as we look into this vision, this picture of heaven, this picture of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this picture of the church in this picture of all creation, rejoicing and worshiping. Give us grace. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> There's so much we could talk about here, but I don't have that long. I've actually preached this, a sermon from this passage here several years ago. But you know, as you read through the Word, you go through different things in your life, and God opens up things. You, you begin to see things that weren't there before. I think the first thing that we see, that we're called upon to see here, is a new vision of Christ, a bigger vision. What do you think of Jesus 
What are you thinking? I think most of the things we think about Jesus are right, good things. But I often don't think we think enough of Jesus. We often are, are, are very good maybe at seeing Jesus, the man, but not Jesus, God, in all of His glory, wonder, and awesomeness. Over the last week, I've, I've sort of made a commitment that I want to spend more time, at least on a regular basis, reading through the book of Revelation. Because if Revelation does nothing else, it gives us a big, big vision of Jesus. When John is first taken up into heaven, we, he sees Jesus with white hair and a, and a, and a, and a countenance that's flaming and, and a sword coming out of his mouth, and this incredible picture of Christ walking among the, the, the lampstands of the churches and, and pronouncing grace and judgment upon the world. But now we see something very different. <coughs> John is then taken into the very throne room of God, and in chapter 4 he's worshiping. He sees the worship of the angels and the elders before the throne of the Father. And then in chapter 5, the one seated, the Father, seated on the throne of heaven, receiving worship and glory and honor, is holding a scroll. And that scroll is sealed, and it's sealed tight with seven seals. Seven is a number of, that we see throughout the Scriptures of perfection. And they're calling out and says, who can open this? Who's, who's got the, the authority? Who is, who is able to open up the seal? Who's worthy? And no one in heaven, no one was worthy. But then one of the elders says, weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David, has conquered and he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Well, now you're prepared for something, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah, <coughs> the root of David, and he is conquered. Here's a great king, a great conqueror, the lion, the, the, this picture of power and might. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the great conquering king, how does he show up here? As a lamb who had been slain. Now, it's an unusual lamb. When, when, when John is looking at this, it's very unusual. One, he's standing, and he walks over and takes the scroll but he's got seven eyes, seven horns. Again, that seven, that, that, that number of fullness and perfection, and, and the horns are his power. In other words, he's a lamb as though unslain, meek and mild, and yet he's a conqueror. And he's full of power. And his eyes, when it speaks earlier of, of having the eyes that, that roam throughout the earth, And 
And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the the 24 elders fall down and worship. Now, just a brief thing, because I think this is awesome. And they're all, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So when I'm stuck sometimes in an eight-by-eight cell with walls of lead and I can't, and I am praying and I just feel like there is nothing there. And I'm sure that persecuted church praying for, for, to be rescued. And John's saying, guess what? Your prayers are right there before the throne of God. They're incense and golden bowls. What a great comfort that is. John, in a sense, not only tells them, but he shows them their prayers. And so they sing. You know, my favorite book, I've got a number of them. You know, it's a hard thing, isn't it? What's your favorite book? What's your favorite? It's Lord of the Rings. Love that book. But early on when I would read it, I would try to, I would always skip those songs. You ever do that? You know, all these songs going on. And my other favorite book is Moby Dick, and I skip the wailing parts. I still skip the wailing parts and go on to the story. It's a wonderful story. But I, I, I would skip the songs in Lord of the Rings until I began to realize that it's those songs that actually give you the depth to the story, that give you the background, the sort of meat of the story that's going on, the sort of the spirit behind the story of Lord of the Rings is told in the songs that everybody's singing. Dwarves are singing, elves are singing, hobbits are singing, men are singing. They're singing songs. And we would lose everything if we missed the song. And so these 24 elders and the four living creatures are singing this song. It says this, Were there you to take the scroll to open its seals? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. As I said to you, we, this, this passage gives us a bigger view of Jesus Christ. We see him as the, as the lion. We see him as the lamb who was slain. We see him as, as now the redeemer of all mankind. Where you ransom people for God from where? Union County, Mecklenburg, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Bogota, Colombia, Jinja, Uganda, from every tribe and language and people and nation. This redemption. So right along with a bigger vision of Jesus Christ, we have a bigger vision of the cross. Because the cross is, is, is certainly, it's an event in history. It happened. It took place. It was full of blood and pain and trouble and wrath and anger and love. And it's at the core of this picture that they keep giving us of Jesus here. He shows up as a lamb who was slain. And then it says, he's worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? For you were slain. And how? By your blood. 
You know, there's a movement in the church today saying, well, we don't want to talk about blood. It's messy. Of course it's messy because it's the price that was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross so that you and I could be ransomed. That you and I could be bought with a price. That you and I could be rescued from the wrath of God that's coming and that is so clear throughout the rest of the book of Revelation as the seals are opened. And so we have a bigger view of Christ. But that view of Christ, that glorious view of the, of the conquering lion, the lamb who was slain with the seven horns of great power and eyes that see all over the earth, <coughs> walking among the churches, There he is, ransoming people for God. <coughs> Excuse me. From every tribe and language and people and nation. It's a bigger view, isn't it, often of, our, of God's work, of God's mission. God's mission, God's vision is not a small one. But it includes all the small ones. I hope today that we, we all walk away with a little bit bigger vision, a little bit bigger sight of God and His work, but I never want to despise the small ones because what I think we see here is that all of it is a part, is a piece of what God is doing in the world, being students working at a seminary, teaching in a school, raising our children, staying up late, having a conversation with our spouses because we don't want to go to bed angry, talking to our neighbor, showing him love and grace, going to work and doing it with excellence and care because we work as unto, unto Christ. All of that is part of what God is doing. But I think when we suffer, at least I do, when all I see is that, the work itself becomes that eight-by-eight eight cell, and I, don't, and I don't see it as part of this huge vision and mission of an exalted Jesus Christ. Because what is he doing? He's ransoming a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So this weekend is a bit of a focus, isn't it, on missions for your church. But missions includes all of that. It's certainly a part. Here I am. I'm your, you know, today I'm the token guy from some foreign country, right, uh, down in Bogota, Colombia. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, I could use that. Down in Bogota, Colombia. But you know what? You're on mission. This church in Union County, meeting here in Sun Valley High School, it's part of God's mission. Just as much a part of God's mission as what's going on in Bogota, Bogota Colombia. 
we've been having some meetings down in, in, uh, in Bogota with Andres Garza. Y'all know, many of you know Andres. Andres is now with City to City, uh, which is, has a, a vision to plant churches, to help church planters in major cities throughout the world. What a wonderful vision. What a big vision that Tim Keller has for God's work. Boy, everything's loud. But Church of the Redeemer is also a mission. <coughs> you're a mission in your dorm room. You're a mission in your neighborhood. You're a mission at your work. It's big. It's big. But there's a big, mission, there's a big vision as well of the church. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. How do you think of yourself in your eight-by-eight eight cell with a little window? Even if we break down the wall, what, what do you, where do you see yourself in that vision, in that mission of God? Do you see yourself as a kingdom, as part of a kingdom, bigger than yourself? Do you see yourself as priest to our God? Do you see yourself as a person standing, in a sense, before God or kneeling before God, lifting up your unbelieving neighbor, your children, your spouse, your professors? Do you see yourself performing priestly functions before a lost world? Because God does. That's how God sees you, as priests to Him. And they shall reign on the earth. How do you think those churches and Asia Minor felt their church at Ephesus and Philadelphia and Smyrna. These churches suffering, small, persecuted, all kinds of troubles and issues, theological debates, sin, brokenness being crushed by the Roman Empire. And God says, because the angels, the creatures, the 24 elders are singing to them and they're saying, and they shall reign on the earth. Wow, what a picture that is. What an incredible picture that is of who we are. Such a big vision of Christ and such a big vision of the church, a big vision of the cross, and a big vision of us. You know, the Christian faith is the only one, I think, that really gives real value and worth to human beings. Even humanism, which, which claims to give such value to human beings, really doesn't. It's just saying that we're all gods. But what the Bible teaches us is that we are 
created in God's image. And those of us who are in Christ are ones, not only are we created in the image of God, but we're being recreated into the image of His Son. We are ones who, for whom the Lamb of God gave His blood so that we could live. Is that the vision that drives you? Is that what drives the, the, the vision of missions, local missions, world missions? Is that the vision that, that is driving you as you're looking for a new pastor? As you go to work tomorrow? As you tuck your kids into bed at night? As you, as you stay out late doing homework, studying for a test? Is that, is that the vision that when you go into the office and have to deal with a project that's driving you nuts or a boss that's just antagonistic? <laughs> is that the vision? that you are part of a kingdom, that you are priests to God, and that you shall reign on the earth. Now, this is such a big vision. C.S. Lewis, in, in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, wonderful book, it's C.S. Lewis at his worst and his best. I'll leave it at that. But his chapter on praise is absolutely incredible. Because he says, what, we, we praise things that we're excited about, that to us have worth. So we praise our children. We praise our spouses when we talk to other people about them. Oh, weren't they, you know, look at this, look at my wife's maid. This, she is so talented, she is so wonderful. Oh, Virginia Tech, it's awesome. We beat liberty. <laughs> but now, I want you to look at this. First, we had praise, right? We had this praise. We had 24 elders and the four living creatures praising with this beautiful song. And then it says this, Verse 11, then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, okay, those guys again, the voice of many angels, hmm, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." Well, the choir just got a whole lot bigger. These beautiful songs of praise just to Jesus, to the Lamb who is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might. And again, look again, it's talking about the Lamb, the Lamb what? Who was slain, the cross. And there's praise, not only with the 24 elders, not only with the four living creatures, but myriads of myriads, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of angels now joining and singing the song. And that's awesome. Would you like to have been there? I love going to a, going to a, a worship service where people sing, where voices are really lifted up. People are not shy about singing, whether they can sing or not, where everybody is just lifting up their voices in praise. I don't care about the style. 
I just want to hear God's people sing praises to God. And I love however it's done. I love the songs we sang this morning. They make a big mistake because they'll call me and say, you know, do you have any hymns you want to suggest? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love them. So that's the second chorus. It's sung by a big, big group. And then listen to this. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Now, everybody and everything that can sing is singing. This is a huge vision because the praise of God is echoing throughout all of the universe on earth and heaven is God's praise. And it's praise right to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb. Praise. Do you think about that when you sing? Do you think about that when the group gets up here in a little bit and we're singing, I will rise when he calls my name? Do you think about that? We're singing together, be thou my vision. And nothing but the blood It's a choir, and it's here in this church, and it's joined together with all the heavenly host. We're all singing together. Praise to the great King, to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're singing praise to the Father who is on the throne. We're singing praise to the Lion of Judah, the, the Root of David. We're, we're singing praise to the to the great Savior on a white horse, the sword called the Word of God coming out of His mouth. We're singing praise to this great God. But great praise requires great vision. You hear of people in prison. Here's one. When Paul first went to Philippi, he had some success, met some people by the water, and uh, had a prayer meeting, and he's preaching around the city, having some success, but ends up getting thrown into prison. Now, I'm sure when you're sitting in prison, that eight-by-eight eight cell, and with Paul, his legs were in stocks, I'm sure things could have felt very small, very tight, very confined, very restricted. What was Paul and his companion doing? Kept everybody awake because they were singing and they were praising God in that cell. Now, Paul was fortunate, right? Because the, 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 the cell was unlocked. Anyway, but wonderful things happened, and so at times. But there were other times, and there's other stories that we read and hear of people who were in cells singing and praising God, and those cells were never open. 
Those doors were never unlocked. Those chains were not taken off. But in the hearts and the minds of the prisoners, they were not in the eight-by-eight cell. They were before the throne of God, worshiping, praising, because they had a big vision of God, a vision of God that took them out of their eight-by-eight cell, that took them out of their, their brokenness, that took them out of their dysfunction, that took them out of their sin and corruption and rebellion. And by the blood of the Lamb brought them singing with myriads and myriads of angels and every creature that can sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Is that our vision? Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the Apostle John. Thank you for the vision that you gave him and that you had him write it down for us, for your church in the ages to come. Thank you for the mercy that you've shown us in Christ. Thank you that you have ransomed us by his blood. And you have made us, you've called us out from the four corners of the earth and you've, you've made us a kingdom and you've made us a priest. And that you've promised that we shall rule on the earth that you've given us the hope of heaven, that you've given us a hope of a city not built with human hands. And I, and I do pray, Father, that you would break down the walls of our cells and give us a clearer, broader, brighter, more beautiful vision of you. In the name of Christ, our Redeemer, the one who ransomed by his blood. Amen.